0: Welcome to the Jada Edwards Podcast, where I get to take a few moments to share with you what God is sharing with me. Hey, everyone. Today, I want to talk a little bit about what it really means to change your mind. How do you truly Practically begin to change your mind. So many times we hear about certain scriptures and we have all of these quotes don't be anxious and guard your mind and all of these things. And what does it really mean when anxiety and doubt and worry begin to creep in? I wonder what you do when that first happens to you. Are you the person that quotes and reads scripture, which is great? We love the Bible, need the Bible. Are you the person that calls a friend? Um, Does any of this help and does it help immediately or does it take time? I wonder what your process is like. You may be saying, I don't have a process. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of times we're frustrated uh, as believers because we have this truth of Jesus. We have this Savior that has come in and given us these promises of peace and joy. And, and we're trying to figure out how do we make that a reality. I know the scriptures, but somehow it's not affecting my actual reality. Well, I think um, a couple of things happen that, that get us stuck when it comes to dealing with anything that's affecting our minds, right? Anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, uh, even patterns of sin. It all starts in the mind. But one of the things that happens, one of the issues that we really wrestle with is how we approach scripture. And first of all, I think we approach scripture as a way to alter behavior. And this is a lot of times what our churches teach. This is what we learn in many of our resources. And a lot of times, if we haven't been discipled to really deal with the heart, we think that our Christian life can be measured by how well we're performing on any given day or any given moment. We see Galatians 5, where Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit looked like. It's kind of a checklist. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. And we're like, oh, did I have self-control today? Oh, was I loving today? And really what he's saying is this is not a to-do list this is an evidence list. This is how you know that you're walking in the spirit because then these things will be evident. You cannot do them on your own, right? So even that, I think, has been taken out of context as some type of behavioral checklist. So we approach scripture that way, looking for ways to change our behavior. And it really was intended to change the way you think. It really is a matter of the heart. In Matthew 23, 26, Jesus is really going in with the Pharisees. Several, like, woe to you. You guys think you have it together, and you do not. Let me read you, okay? So he goes through several things that the Pharisees have wrong, and one of them, Matthew 23, 26, he says, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. So he's saying, let me flip the way you're thinking. You're, you're trying to carry yourself a certain way and have this certain persona and this certain outward behavior, but the inside of your cup is, is nasty, it's disgusting. And so if you came into my house and you looked in my cabinet and saw all these beautiful mugs, <laughs> You wanted something to drink, and you picked the one that you wanted. But then you looked in there, and there's like old food and yesterday's tea bag and whatever. you like, this cup is not clean. So just because it looked good on display doesn't mean it was clean, good for use. And so he says this, and he kind of gives them a lot of warnings and and um, challenges their thinking. And at the end of this chapter, the Pharisees they're trying to trick Jesus, which they're always trying to do, trip him up on stuff. And so they ask him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? So the end of Matthew 23, uh, verses 34 through 40, you can read those. They ask him what the greatest commandment is. And it's interesting because it is in this passage where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Often quoted scriptures. And he says the entirety of the law hangs on this. So just think about what he's saying. He's saying the intention The heart of the Ten Commandments was not a behavioral list, like the heart of the law that God set for his people. All of these laws, all of these guidelines, he said it really wasn't intended just to modify your behavior. It was intended to measure your heart. So the idea that loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and your mind is the first and foremost commandment, You're like, but wait a minute, what about don't make idols? What about keep the Sabbath? What about don't take the Lord's name in vain? He said, yeah, but if you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind, your behavior will follow. He does not say love the Lord your God with all your attendance, with all your apps, with all your journals, with all your resources, with all your service even. He says with your heart your soul, your mind, basically three different ideas of our innermost being. And so this is what he says the law hangs on. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you may hearken back to the Ten Commandments and say, but what about bearing false witness? What about murder? What about? He said, yeah, but if you love your neighbor like you love yourself, which should only be Happening after you love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. I don't have to tell you not to murder because we wouldn't do that to someone we love. So it's it's fascinating that the Pharisees, who were so hung up on external things, when they're trying to trip Jesus up and say, "Yeah, you're talking about the inside of this cup, Jesus," but what about the greatest commandment? What do you think is the most important commandment? They were trying to pin him down and say, "What's the most important thing for us to do?" What's the most important action that we can measure so we know we're holy? He's like, uh, love God with everything in you, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Mark even says, and your strength. And they're like, mm. well, what about love the Lord our God with all our words? Mm-mm. Love the Lord our God with all of our knowledge, you know, with all of our influence. He's like, no, your heart, your soul, and your mind. So I think right there, the fact that that's the answer that Jesus gives, loving God and and secondly, loving our neighbor to a group of people who were driven by some type of false external measure of holiness, he's saying, listen... These things fulfill the law. That's what he says in the end of Matthew 23. Like, this fulfills the law. He's not saying it replaces the law. Like, oh, once upon a time, it was just about behavior and doing good things on the outside. But now that I've come on the scene, I flipped the script. It's about loving. He said, no, no, no. This fulfills the law. Like, the original intent of the law that you took to mean outward behavior was always meant to be something that generated a change in heart. So Jesus is telling us, which he tells us over and over again, that this this idea of truth and how we approach scripture for us as believers after, after Jesus, how we approach truth, God's guidelines, his precepts, all of these things, they are not supposed to be behavioral checklists. It's not thing you run to when you're like, how do I say a nice thing to my friend or how do I apologize? This is like matters of the heart. So when you approach scripture as a fix to behavior, then you're going to get frustrated because when you're in the midst of anxiety and someone says to you, be anxious for nothing, you're like, what does that mean? But I am anxious for something. So, oh my God, do I not love Jesus? Is the scripture not true to me? Am I disobeying? Then it leads into a whole bunch of drama because that's not how in a scripture was really intended to be used. So first we see it as a fix to behavior or way to alter behavior. But the second thing is we see scripture um, as a bandaid rather than allowing it to work internally, right? So I think we treat our sin issue or even our anxiety and our doubt and our worry, we treat those like scratches as opposed to internal issues. If someone says to me, I have a scratch, I have a cut, it makes sense to put a Band-Aid on it. If someone says to me, I'm having chest pain, I'm not pulling out a box of Band-Aids. We need a box of Band-Aids. We need to go see a physician, go to a doctor, something. But we misdiagnose our anxiety and our worry and our fear and even other, other sinful expressions, which we're not going to get into today, to today. We misdiagnose a lot of that as scratches and cuts. And so then we're like, oh, I just need the right Band-Aid. Let me search my concordance. Let me look up worry. Let me look up joy. Let me find anxiety and tap that right on that scar and it should all be good. But first of all, the diagnosis is wrong. It's not a cut. It is a wound of the heart. It's a, it's a hurt and a matter of a heart, internal issue that has to be addressed. And if you know that, then you'll see the Bible uh, in truth that was as it was intended. Hebrews 4:12 says, "For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Not of the action, not of the behavior. The word of God, living and active, sharper. It is dividing things like soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intentions. These are all internal things. Like God is showing us that his word is supposed to get in and and have surgical effect on our hearts and our souls and our spirits. And we are reducing. It's like bringing in a surgeon and paying for him to show up at my house and pass me a box of Band-Aids it's foolishness he's saying why are you let my truth do its good internal work but y'all that's hard and it takes time I want something quick I want a scripture that I can read a quote write on my sticky note put it on my mirror say it to myself sing a song about it find the right worship song I want something to just chase away all that I'm feeling because Let's take it. Let's let's be honest. We really want our faith to have kind of quick and instant results. And I think that sometimes we forget that our faith is a journey. There's work to be done, cognitive work, too, not just uh, how I feel or what I'm experiencing, but in my mind, how I think. uh, Where's my heart aligned? It it takes time to to do that work. And our faith is something that is a lifelong journey and a scripture can't be uh, manipulated or misused or even Diminished to be just like some quick band aid on 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 a hard day, and so I'll tell you when scripture most resonates with us. Like somebody can just say your scripture or you read a scripture and it resonates with you, it's because it's it's attaching itself to something already in your soul, right? Not just because it is some disconnected piece of truth. Um, it's because the Holy Spirit in that moment is saying, "Remember this. Uh, let me remind you of this truth," and that's when it can really resonate with us. And so. Uh approaching scripture like um affixed to behavior no go and then approaching it like it's a band-aid when really it's a surgical tool is is not helpful. <laughs> so that's the deep conclusion. It is not helpful. Uh so Jada, what do we do with all this? Okay, how do we actually change our minds? Um, how do we begin to address the anxiety, the fear, the doubt? And by the way, this is going to work for anything, not just anxiety and fear, but anything you're really wrestling with. I, I wish I could tell you to write down all the things, a verse day keeps the anxiety away or whatever. I wish I could tell you those things. I wish there was a conference or a resource or something that would, Help you to fix it quickly, but that's just not how it works. Because we're trying to undo uh, the way we were born. We were born to think a certain way. I mean, we were born without without any undue influence. Don't just blame your past. Listen, Eve made a mistake, and it wasn't because of her parents. <laughs> it wasn't because of her past trauma. It wasn't because of her life and her baggage. She was fresh on the earth and still chose self over God. <laughs> so we just got stuff, right, that we have to deal with. So. Here's some practical ways that I try to approach anxiety, fear, all, all the many different things that I'm feeling. Well, my go to scripture, if you listen to me more than once, you will probably hear me talk about Psalm 139 um, over and over again, especially at the end of that song where David is inviting the Lord to search me, know me. Um, some versions may say, Try my anxious thoughts. Like, I just want you to show me myself, God. Not clearly, clearly, not because God doesn't know but because David wants to know what God knows about him, right? So scripture tells us everything we need to know about God. Everything that God wants revealed about himself is in scripture. Um, but he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can have revelation about ourselves. It's when we invite God to search us, know us, that the Holy Spirit begins to take this truth, what we know to be true about God, and then apply it to what we know to be true about ourselves, find the discrepancies and start to do the work of living differently with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I start there. Um, I'm like, God, search me and know me and this this is really my first thought and it is that I I want to acknowledge how I feel I really want to acknowledge how I feel and that may seem like a given but um sometimes someone can ask me how I feel and I'm like I don't know just not good (laughs) not in a good place um when, when we don't have words sometimes you know toddlers may cry and throw temper tantrums or shut down walk away um as adults we'll just say I mean I'm fine but we're not fine or we lump everything into, I'm angry, but what, let's dissect that. Or I'm frustrated, right? Or I'm just feeling some kind of way. <laughs> that is like the bucket of, I am not cool right now. I don't feel like getting into the details of it. Um, but I ask God to search me um, because that searching is a constant invitation. It's not just search me and and show me how I fail you and disappoint you. He's just like, if there's anything, any anxious way, anything that's not settled Anything that, that's not at peace, God showed me. Because sometimes those things that might not seem like um, some overt kind of sin, like there's a fear or doubt, right, um, that leads to sin, right? We can become greedy or prideful or self-protective. All kinds of things can come from those feelings. So this is not a quick thing. I'm asking God to search me. When's the last time you really sat down and thought about, you know, how you feel? It's not comfortable for some people. Some of us are full of feelings. (laughs) We have all the feelings we feel all the time. But that doesn't mean that we can articulate them um, or we know exactly how we're feeling at any given moment. Some of us are like, feelings, nobody has time for that. Just get your stuff done. Let's keep it moving. Nobody has time. Um, I tend to lean toward that, if I'm honest. I mean, the Lord has dealt with me, and if you ever— come and I teach Bible study or now I feel like all the time I'm crying I'm like I'm making up for like 20 years and not crying I guess but it's all these things as I'm getting more comfortable with who God is how he's made me and all that good stuff but I think you have to acknowledge your feelings how do you feel about something and here's the thing this may take a minute sometimes I wake up in the morning or I find myself at some point in the day going I don't feel right what is it and and if I if I'm not careful the easy way is to be like, whatever, I I got stuff to do. Let me text, let me call. Um, but sometimes it takes time. Like, why am I, what am I bothered about? What am I bothered about? Am I tired? Am I, oh, you know what it is? I texted my friend or my husband or my mom and they haven't replied back. I don't know how they're going to take that. Have they seen it and they don't know what to say or are they upset? Or like it could be something like that or Oh, you know what? I have this test coming up or I have a thing that I need to do and I'm not sure that I can do it well. It's got me feeling anxious. Uh, or I'm afraid. Oh, I just sent my kid off to spend the night at someone's house. And you know, that kind of raises up all kinds of stuff from some trauma I had in my childhood and now I'm projecting all this fear just cuz my kid is going to spend the night at somebody's house. Or I just found out my expenses changed and my income didn't change or it's made me feel some kind of way. And, and maybe the, the feeling wasn't triggered right at the moment, right, that your expenses changed or your kid left to go spend the night or whatever. Maybe it was something else that reminded you of it. Maybe you were about to buy something and you needed to think twice. Or, or maybe you were cleaning up your kid's room. It reminded you they were away. It's like sometimes it's the most random thing that triggers um, a feeling. And so it can take time just to sit down and decide how you feel. And here's the other thing. Um, You're not going to feel the same way about everything at any given moment because we're complex like that. (laughs) You could be killing it at your job or your career and feel like, I feel pretty good about that. I mean, hopefully it's not real confidence in yourself. It's in what God is doing through you because we all know not to believe our own report. But it, it could be that you feel pretty good about where you are with your career. But marriage, you're like, ooh when I go home today, like just letting up the garage is going to create this anxiety, right? Or things going on with your parents, you like, holidays are coming up. I already feel anxious. Or, you know, I got whatever. It could be all kinds of things. And so you could be feeling great in marriage, struggling at work. Uh, unsure maybe you you have to do something with your health and you're like uh, I don't know what to do can I eat different I gotta work out I gotta do this um, you may be feeling some fear because of some change that's coming up for you so this process in y'all it is not a quick how do I feel you know what I'm good and here's the thing about it God already knows how you feel so so when David is like search me and know me God is not like oh my gosh I searched you and you are angry what's going on I mean, God knows. He's like, bro, sis, I can show you. Are you ready? Because it's a lot. We're not simple. We're complicated. And we can have a range of emotions about a range of topics and a range of relationships relationships at any given moment. And this whole acknowledgement part is huge because I sit in that. And y'all, that is one of the hardest things to do. The feelers out there, God bless you, because you can sit in them all day. And somebody's calling you and texting, you're like, I'm just, I'm in my feelings right now. And, and that it can be good if it's intentional. But for me, it that's hard. Because even if I give myself the grace and the patience to process how I'm feeling and acknowledge it, I don't necessarily want to sit in it. But sometimes it's kind of like I imagine that I'm in like an MRI machine or one of those machines that does a full body scan. And sometimes in the morning at my vanity sink or in my car or wherever, I just pause and I'm like, head to toe. How am I feeling? How am I feeling? And um, if you're not used to that, that, that can feel uncomfortable. But man, let me tell you something. If you don't get in the habit of acknowledging how you're feeling about something at any given moment, I guarantee you there's going to be actions that come out of those feelings you're going to waste your time trying to correct those actions and you've never acknowledged the feelings that drive them. Because even if you fix that action, if you have not dealt with the feeling, it's going to just show up in some other area. So that acknowledgement might just be where you are today. You know what? I need to be in the practice of acknowledging my feelings, not so they can be fixed or remedied, but just so I can know how I feel. Um, If you've ever been to the doctor, maybe it was a regular physical checkup, maybe something was wrong, usually when he's like, what's going on, if you have an issue, you might say, oh, this, this thing, my knee is hurting, you know, or I've been having headaches. Um, but if you have a good doctor, he might ask even more questions, and he'll say, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? How much, how much water do you drink a day? How, how much do you exercise? Do you? And then you have to really stop, because sometimes it's easy to acknowledge the outward, most obvious thing, but to process the rest of my life, like, I don't know. I just, I've been having headaches. And he's like, yeah, but <laughs> how much sleep do you get per night, right? So or how, how much have you been traveling? Or he may ask all kinds of questions that really you have to stop and think about because you didn't go in thinking about those. Worse, if you're just getting physical. And he's like, how are you? And you're like, I'm good. Can you sign off on this <laughs> physical? Um, my physician, I love him. He's, he's like, well, what's been going on? You know, and so I have to really stop and think what has been going on because I'm usually just grinding, getting through day-to-day life. And so um, stopping to acknowledge your feelings is no small feat. And the more you do it, the quicker I think it starts to happen for you and the more comfortable you are. You don't need, you know, a whole half a day or you don't have to remove yourself from people. You can be in mid-conversation listening and you'll start to go, I think that statement bothers me. Mm, I don't want to deny that, but let me me file that. I need to deal with that. Let me be fully engaged in this conversation. I'm going to deal with that. But you just start to become comfortable with acknowledging your feelings. So that's the first thing I do. I'm asking God to search me. I want to acknowledge how I feel. And the second thing, um, then I want to separate what's fact from what's feeling. Now, we hear all the time, our feelings are not facts. Well, that's true. But that doesn't mean our feelings are not relevant or not important or not real. And so I don't want to minimize or deny my feelings. I do want to separate them from the facts. So if you think about this, it is raining. I am ready to go outside or run errands or leave the house or go for a walk or whatever. And I open my front door and it's raining. And if you're like super, you know, planning weather and you checked your weather app, don't mess up my illustration. I know some of y'all are like, why didn't you look at the weather app in the forecast? That's not the point. Let's just say I'm ready to go outside and it's raining. And then I begin to feel sad. So I am, I am like, okay, the rain has made me sad. Now y'all may say this is a minor thing. Just get, get through it. Well, here's the thing. If I don't want to say that my sadness is why it's raining, that doesn't make sense. My feelings don't create the truth. Um, But I do need to know that this rain has triggered something that's made me sad. And I don't want to ignore either one. So I don't want to say, oh, forget my sadness. It's raining. Deal with it. If I don't acknowledge my feelings and then start to separate those, what will happen is I just walk out of the house with my raincoat and my umbrella and I'm just going on with my day. So I took the external things or I took the obvious things that I needed to deal with the fact of the rain, but I've ignored or not paid attention to how that rain made me feel. Now, this is important because sometimes I'm so busy just negotiating the fact that plans have changed or someone's disappointed me or I've been betrayed that I don't have time to process my feelings I just need to now deal with the betrayal someone betrayed me so now I need to replace them in my organization or replace them on my team or someone didn't come through for our family so now I got to come through for our family and come up with some financial support whatever most of the time we're just responding to the facts and we end up ignoring our feelings or we go the opposite route we ignore the facts and we just live in our feelings I'm saying you need both. You want to separate both. You need to acknowledge here is what's actually happening and here is how I feel about it. And it may not just be one feeling. So that acknowledging, you know, how you feel and then separating that from the fact, right? So that it's okay that if it rains and it's okay that I'm sad, but those two may or may not need to be connected. So those are two really important things as we're starting to get into this idea of changing your mind. Now, you may say, Jada, okay, give me the whole thing. Well, there's two more steps, but I want you to just spend maybe the next couple of weeks or the next few days or whatever it is for you thinking about that. What does it mean to invite God to search me, not just to show me where I'm wrong and make me feel bad. That's not God's goal, but to search me and show me myself so I can become comfortable with who I am and begin to acknowledge how I feel, which in and of itself is complex on at any given moment, and then begin to separate that feeling from Some fact that I feel this way when I'm around this person, but it's not this person's fault. I don't want to equate this person with fear. I feel this way in this environment, but I don't want to equate that environment with anxiety. My facts and my feelings are not the same. Both important, but not the same. So deciding that I'm going to acknowledge my feelings and doing the work of beginning to separate those things is where we're going to wrap up for today. So I I think that's some good work for us to think about. This may feel foreign to you. I promise you God has equipped you to be able to navigate these things about yourself. So uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe and all those great things. And tune in next time as we talk about the second half of how we can practically and truly change our minds.